Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you, and we have so much to talk about today. We've already covered a ton of things in hour number one. We're going to shift gears, and we're going to talk a lot of football, specifically a lot of NFL here in hour number two as training camps are set to open for all the teams not named the Dallas Cowboys tomorrow. But first, I want to pass this along, as this is um, somewhat breaking news, I guess a, a news report from Adam Schefter. He says, just this month, the month of July, 13 NFL staffers, and four players, including one of each over this weekend, have tested positive for COVID-19 despite being vaccinated. The NFL and the NFLPA have been in discussions to increase testing cadence for vaccinated staff and players as an extra precaution. The NFL and the NFLPA have been in discussions to increase testing cadence for vaccinated staff and players as an extra precaution. So those who decided to reach out and call me an anarchist for uh, essentially presuming that vaccinated players, vaccinated people, could contract the virus and then pass it along to other people, I submit to you this. 17 members of the NFL, whether it be staff or players, despite having the vaccination, have contracted the COVID-19 virus tested positive this month alone. So I ask you again, what happens if a game is postponed or canceled, I should say, Due to vaccinated players. We talked about the non-vaccinated players. Heavy, heavy penalties for players and teams if non-vaccinated players cause a cancellation. And I again ask you, what if it's vaccinated players that cause a cancellation? It's just like, oh, well. Now, I get it. These players did what was necessary. They did what was asked of them. They were proactive in going and getting, getting the vaccination doing what they can to protect themselves, their loved ones and others around them, especially in the workplace. And they still got it, and it happens. And nobody is saying, and I don't think anyone has ever said, that the vaccine is 100% foolproof. There's not, nothing. I mean, very, very few things in this world are. But that number seems awfully high, especially considering the numbers of players and staff who have tested positive that are not vaccinated. Now, granted, uh, 21% of the league is not vaccinated, but those numbers are much, much lower. And again, it's law of averages, right? 20%, there's going to be fewer people, obviously. That just makes perfect sense. In fact, percentage-wise, it's probably equal, which is even more damaging, in my opinion. Even if it's equal, why, why should the numbers be equal? There should be less, right? Otherwise, we're showing a complete ineffectiveness of the vaccine to stop the virus from being contracted by people who are vaccinated. Now, granted, uh, the analogy has been used. Um, If you wear a bulletproof vest, you're still going to get hit by the bullets if you get shot at. Okay, The bullets still hit you, but you are protected against their lethality. Yes, I agree. That is absolutely the analogy that should be used. I think I think it's an appropriate analogy for the vax non-vax conversation. But in the NFL, in these types of workplaces, 
any type of positive test is going to put people into protocol. We've already seen uh, assistant coaches leave the team because they're, you know, essentially refusing to get vaccinated. They can no longer work in the NFL during this time when vaccinations are mandated, mandatory for Tier 1 and Tier 2 personnel. So there you go. This will be an interesting watch as we continue, obviously, with the season uh, to see if any games are canceled due to vaccinated players as opposed to non-vaccinated players. And again, I, look, the NFL has got to figure out how to make this kind of an even uh, level playing field. Okay, you got to you got to figure out some kind of penalty. Maybe the teams get fined. I don't know, but even if vaccinated players, uh, how are you supposed to conduct business? I mean, I don't know. It's it, it's a very slippery slope and. I'm not one of those people that likes to engage in those kind of conversations because I just there are things that are better left to be non-public conversations, right? We try not to engage in too many of those. Public conversations, though, like you'll hear here on the Jeff Dean Show, are what's happening this week in the NFL as training camps open tomorrow. I have some early bold predictions that I would like to offer for the 2021 season, and we're going to start right off the bat with the Aaron Rodgers saga the drama that started long ago, okay? The will Aaron Rodgers play for the Packers this season? My prediction is that he will, in fact, play for the Packers this season. And there are many reasons why I believe this is going to happen. First of all, I think I think this whole, this session, this tantrum, this uh, fit that he's throwing uh, started way too late in the process. It's way too late in the process for anything to truly happen unless he just decides to go all the way and retire from the NFL. He could do that. He could absolutely say, um, and he could cite wear and tear in his body, you know, concerns with CTE, you know, whatever, uh, that he's going to retire from the NFL. He could absolutely do that. And then in two years be reinstated as a free agent, essentially, and go out and get a contract that he wants. Now, he would be 40 at that point in time, but we've seen that quarterbacks can play into their 40s. And and let me also qualify it with this. Remember that Aaron Rodgers was already in his, he was, what, 23 when he entered the league because he was at Cal and he stayed there. He was 22 or 23 when he entered the league. Entered the league as a backup who rode the bench for three seasons behind Brett Favre. So at his age of 40, okay, he is nowhere near – the the time on the legs, essentially, the time on the arm. So, you know, like guys like LeBron and Kobe and stuff, when they reached 35, they were already, you know, tens of thousands of minutes into NBA game time, 17 years of actual hard play, whereas Aaron Rodgers, if he retires, comes back in two years at the age of 40, let's say, okay, he's got like 14 years on the tires. That's nothing for a guy of, of his ability, athleticism, that's that's nothing. So he could easily retire, come back, and sign a three- or four-year deal with another team somewhere down the road and decide to play for them, maybe the 49ers. Who knows? He wants to play for his childhood uh, favorite team. Wouldn't that be crazy if the 49ers, who refused to choose Aaron Rodgers in the draft, refused to draft, and they chose Alex Smith because they were doing pre-draft draft nego- or, uh, uh, contract negotiations with the two quarterbacks, and they decided to go with the guy who was going to take less money. <laughs> That's why they took Alex Smith. That's the truth, folks. 
If you don't know the reason why, and the reason that it pains me every time to see Aaron Rodgers out there dealing and winning MVPs and getting into the playoffs every single damn year, is because I know that my team didn't choose him because he was asking for more money. He, he knew his worth, <laughs> which pains 49ers fans left and right. Of course, I could do without the drama. That'd be fine. But I do believe a bold prediction that Aaron Rodgers will play for the Packers this season. I don't think he'll retire. I think he will play. He'll play one final season in Green Bay, and then at the end of the season, the, the trade negotiations will begin. But as it stands right now, Green Bay holds all the cards in this. They, they hold, they have the power when it, when, as, it, as it's concerned with, with Aaron Rodgers. They have the contract. They can fine him for not showing up to camp every single day. So, yeah. But I think, that, I think he will play for the Packers this season. That's, that's my first early bold prediction for 2021. Let's talk about another quarterback. There are, there are sophomore slumps every single year in sports. They happen basketball, football, every, every single sport, every, every level of sport. There are, it's, it's called the sophomore slump, and it is a real phenomenon. It happens every year, okay? There's always going to be at least one, right? I think this year that sophomore slump will happen to Justin Herbert, quarterback of the San Diego Chargers. San Diego Chargers loaded with talent. They've got one of the most talented rosters in the NFL for some reason, they always find new ways to, to lose ball games, whether it's missed kicks, dropped punts. I mean, just all kinds of weird stuff has happened to that football team over the last few years that keep them from getting into the playoffs. Now, the AFC West is a very talented football conference or football division. Of course, they got the Chiefs in there, the Broncos. Not sure what they're going to do with their quarterback situation. you got the Raiders, who are – uh, I don't know, 500 quality at best. So this is the chance for the Chargers to step up, and which means that they won't, and it'll be because Justin Herbert has his sophomore slump. I still have my reservations about Justin Herbert and what's between the ears because of things that I heard during his final season at Oregon, specifically his people in the Oregon coaching room and the coachings on the coaching staff there questioning whether or not he was able to identify defenses pre-snap. Now, apparently he's been worked with and such, and he's got extreme talent in, in San Diego. But I think Justin Herbert's going to experience that sophomore slump this year, and I think he's, he's going to get knocked down a little bit. My next, I guess, early bold prediction for the 2021 season Concerns another quarterback, this one in a new situation, a new, more favorable situation. My prediction is, is that Matthew Stafford will break the all-time single-season passing record, which is currently held by Peyton Manning, uh, that he broke, set the record in uh, 2013 when he was with the Broncos, 5,477 yards. I think Matthew Stafford is going to break that passing record. Now, the 17-game season may put a little asterisk on that, but not if he breaks the record in Week 16, which could very well happen. And there's, there's good reasons why. Not only does he have great assistance there on offense, now losing Cam Akers to the ACL is going to hurt. Okay, they lost Cam Akers for the season. They're going to have to go with uh, running back by committee situation there in Los Angeles. But Sean McVay is, I think he's going to be able to do that. 
which may even open up the passing game even more. It may cause them to just run and shoot the entire time and just fling the ball all over the all over the field. Now they're going to play six ta- uh, six games against teams in their own division that are high scoring offenses. And I say what you will about Seattle, they do have the ability to score a lot of points, especially if you just kind of let Russell Wilson run free. Now, nobody's going to just let him do that, but um, Seattle's going to be very good again this year. And there is a possibility that the Rams could just be in absolute shootouts with the other three teams in their division, which is going to be six games where they're just trying to outscore the other team. Because San Francisco's offense looks, if, if Garoppolo is healthy or if, Kyle Shanahan can work his magic with Trey Lance. That offense is going to be very good. Seattle, of course, they have a remarkable receiving core. They have a workable offensive line, and you've got Russell Wilson, of course, in a good running game. And then, you know, we we know what the Cardinals bring. They're all offense, and they're going to try to score 50 every time they they can. And they have talent, an an immense amount of talent on the offensive side of the ball. I think Stafford's going to have his opportunities to really sling the ball all over the field, and I do believe that he will break the single-season passing record this year with the Rams. My most surprising team this year is going to be the New England Patriots. Say what you will about what happened last year with Cam Newton and everything, but remember, this was a team that before the season was announcing guys that that were sitting out because of COVID left and right. They lost what, nine starters due to uh, essentially guys bowing out for, for the COVID season. This was all part of the plan. This was all part of, of Belichick's plan, the, the mastermind that is Bill Belichick. What do they do this offseason? Something that they didn't normally do under Belichick for the last 20 seasons, right? They went out and they made huge strides in free agency, huge changes at tight end, huge changes at offensive line. Addition of Matt Judon at linebacker. Plus, they still have Nick Falk kicking field goals. Bear down. I think that New England Patriots are going to be the most surprising team in the NFL this year, coming off a poor season, a calculated poor season last year. The most disappointing team this year, and this is a tough one. I still, the, the jury is still out on my decision on this one because I, Man, I was so close to pulling the trigger on the Arizona Cardinals just because, the, the, you know, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what their expectations are because myopic society has me here in the state of Arizona, specifically in the, in the Valley of the Sun. And you talk to people here, and they're like, Cardinals are, you know, 11, 12 wins. And I'm like, what? Are you, I, wait, are you crazy? 11 or 12 wins for the Cardinals? Why, why? What would make you think that? But the expectations here locally are that they're going to be very, very good. I don't think they're going to be that good. But I think that the most disappointing team this season will be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, they've never had a losing season under Mike Tomlin, and he'll have plenty of motivating factors for his team this season because they're going to be considered to be picked third in the in the AFC North this season behind Baltimore and Cleveland. I think both of those are interchangeable as far as the media goes. But I think this is going to be the most disappointing season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is this is the year that the wheels fall off for Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger, and the Steelers. 
right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk about some more individual awards that I think are going to come out of the 2021 season, some early bold predictions, best team, worst team, most valuable player, rookie of the year. Stay tuned. It's the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. Talking some NFL here in hour number two of today's edition. Uh, Real quickly before I get back to my bold predictions, the early bold predictions for the 2021 season, uh, it has been announced that an Indianapolis head coach, Frank Reich, has tested positive for COVID-19, and he'll miss the first several practices of Colts training camp, uh, as the Colts just recently announced this. Now, uh, Reich is a vaccinated person. He, he has uh, confirmed the, the vaccination and has tested positive. And I know that the Colts were one of the teams that were in danger. Like, they had just gotten over the 50% vaccination threshold. And I know Coach Jim Ursay or uh, had, had, uh, Coach, owner Jim Ursay was, um, was vehement about uh, getting his players on board because he didn't want to lose that competitive advantage by having you know one of the lowest vaccinated uh, teams in the league. But his vaccinated head coach just got it. So, uh, look, this is going to claim a lot of people. It's still going around. Thankfully for Coach Reich is that he has been vaccinated and hopefully that that will mitigate severely the impact of COVID-19 on him. So we wish him the best. Um, okay, so back to some of the early predictions. I mentioned I think Aaron Rodgers will play for the Packers this season, barring – a monumental announcement today or tomorrow that he's retiring. Okay, um, I think that Justin Herbert will be the the sophomore slump this year in the NFL. I think Matthew Stafford will break the all-time single-season passing record. The New England Patriots are going to be, be the biggest surprise in the NFL. I think the biggest disappointment in the NFL is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers as they miss the playoffs and will finish under 500 for the first time under Mike Tomlin. Now, some of the other just quick predictions here. I do believe the best team will be the Kansas City Chiefs. I just don't think anything's going to stop them. Couple the fact that both Denver and Las Vegas are having issues with their teams, and I think both of those teams are probably seven and ten to eight and nine worthy. I don't even think they're they're worthy of a, of a of a winning record. And given the fact that I believe Justin Herbert will have his sophomore slump this year, which will cause San Diego to be a little less effective. I think Kansas City's easily a 13-win team, probably a 14-win team. And uh, even given their, I I should say, somewhat thin, uh, thinner than last year for sure, depth chart in in Kansas City, I still believe they're the best team overall and have, uh, of course, you know, know, the the most electric quarterback in in the NFL able to, erase deficits in mere seconds uh, in Patrick Mahomes. So I think they're the best team. I think the worst team is really easy. The, the, this this is like the easiest thing ever, right, is picking who the worst team in the NFL is going to be this year. It's the Houston Texans. Like they are 0-17 written all over them. If they didn't have to play the Jags twice this year, I think they would go 0-17. They'll probably win a game against the Jags, who are also going to be awful. And I think – that the 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 experiment with Urban Meyer is going to be a flop. I don't I don't see that 
being a success. I like Urban Meyer as a coach, and I think he builds great programs because of the connections that he's made in college football and his ability to find talent and schmooze the right people. Like that's, that's what recruiting is. Finding the person who has the highest influence on the, the player, on the recruit, and getting selling them on you or selling them on your program. That's how you get recruits, and Urban Meyer knows that as well as anybody. And I think Urban Meyer is – it's an interesting – it was an interesting choice to put him in charge, but I think that it was a situation where he's like, we're going to have the number one pick. I get to coach Trevor Lawrence for, a, you know, a couple of seasons. We'll see what happens, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a long marriage, much like we've seen from several of the great college coaches that have jumped to the NFL, whether it be Nick Saban or uh, Steve Spurrier or even the Bobby Petrino debacle that happened uh, in Atlanta. But I think the worst team is going to be the Houston Texans. I don't think it's going to be that, – that's not, it's not even a competition. Uh, Detroit's going to be really bad. Jacksonville is going to be bad. I think Philly's going to be awful also. But, yeah, the worst team is going to be the Houston Texans. My pick for MVP, Patrick Mahomes, that's real simple. <laughs> like, yeah, I, who – I mean – if, if you have a player who's going to throw for 5,000 yards and 45 touchdowns this year and on a team that goes 14-3, and three, why wouldn't he be the MVP? Even if I have Matthew Stafford breaking the all-time single-season passing record, if the Lambs go 11-6 and six this year or 10-7 and seven because they just, you know, they can't stop enough teams or whatever have you, uh, then the, the argument will be, well, best player on the best team, that's Kansas City, you know. Or if, and I, and I do think Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott is going to have a great year in Dallas, but how often does do running backs get the MVP award anymore? Just, you know, Adrian Peterson was the last one to win it. So I think Mahomes is, is going to be the MVP of the league. And rookie of the year, just offensive rookie of the year, I'm not going to pick defensive rookie of the year. Offensive rookie of the year is a guy that I fell in love with watching in college and I really believe that he is one of the most dynamic players that I've ever seen. One of the most unique, dynamic, and I shouldn't say unique because there have been others like him, but on a level that he is on. And it started, th- these types of players started early on, you know, it started in the 70s, okay, moved on to the 80s when you had guys like Roger Craig of the 49ers, uh, the first the first running back to rush for 1,000 yards and receive 1,000 yards in a season. Then you had the likes of a Marshall Falk who kind of took that and really turned it into a skill position. Now you got a guy in the league like an Alvin Kamara who does so many things so well. But on the next level, because of his athleticism, his strength, his speed, his vision, his smarts, just his he, – he's just – he was one of my – he was my favorite player to watch in college football over the last two seasons. And even though he played for Alabama and he played alongside 10 other NFL players on that offense, Najee Harris is absolutely stunning to watch. And I tweeted it out many, many times. I don't know how an NFL team can afford not to draft Najee Harris if they, unless the dire need is a starting left tackle like Detroit with, did, did with Panay Sewell, or dire need at quarterback like the other the teams you know that picked quarterbacks in the first round did. I just don't know how you could, as a GM, can look at what Najee Harris brings to your offense and say, nah, we're going to go with somebody else. 
all those teams that passed up on him and let him go to Pittsburgh? Oh, my God. Now, I do think that Pittsburgh is going to be the biggest disappointment in the league, but I don't think they're going to be awful. They're just not going to be Pittsburgh good. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. I think they have a losing season this year. That losing season may be 8-9. and nine. But Najee Harris, make no mistakes about it, he is absolutely incredible. And the things that he's going to do on a football field in the NFL on Sundays are going to, I'm telling you right now, if people didn't respect him in Alabama, they're going to respect his game in Pittsburgh. When we return, more NFL as a couple of players have requested trades. Well, one player has requested a trade. Another player is going to be traded because that's just what's – because they're bad, uh, they need to get as much as they can. But are they asking a little too much? Join ESPN Tucson 104.9 FM and 1490 AM as Spears and Ali broadcast live from National Chicken Wing Day at Firetruck Brewing Company this Thursday, July 29th from 3 to 6 p.m. Firetruck Brewing Company is fireman-owned. Yes, and there are lots of Firehouse-approved recipes on the menu. Some ice-cold draft beer to go along with hot wings. You can get more information at ESPNTucson.com. More after this, it's the Jeff Dean Show. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. I want to give a shout-out. And a thank you to Sam Yanez, who was our winner of the Sugar Skull tickets today. Congratulations, Sam. Enjoy the game this Saturday. We'll have more Sugar Skulls tickets to give away right here on the Jeff Dean Show throughout the week. So a couple of interesting tidbits coming out of the NFL. The Houston Texans now have claimed that they are willing to trade quarterback Deshaun Watson. But what is the asking price, many people say? Well, according to some of the people close to the situation, The Texans are reportedly asking for a combination of five high draft picks and starting caliber players. So, like, Houston says, Denver, looking for a quarterback? You don't really, you kind of have two, you don't have one kind of situation. We've got Deshaun Watson that we're willing to trade for you. Send us three first-round picks and two of your starters, and we'll send you Deshaun Watson. And Houston's like, or Denver's like, wait, wait. <clears throat> did you say you have Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes? Which, which I, I can't remember which player you were talking about here because it sounds like you're asking for compensation for a player of the caliber of Patrick Mahomes, not Deshaun Watson. And might I add, a player in Deshaun Watson, and it's not funny, but a player in Deshaun Watson who has allegedly – 22 sexual assault allegations, or not alleged, I shouldn't say allegedly, he has 22 sexual assault allegations levied against him that are still unresolved. Now, the NFL has said, go ahead and play while this, you know, while, while, we, while we figure this thing out, while this plays out. You're, you're eligible to play football, but that could, that could change at any moment. 22 we talked about it in the offseason. I mean, well, we didn't talk about it here because we were on break. But many people were able to talk about what was happening with Deshaun Watson and the saga as the numbers continued to climb. There was First there was one, there was three, there was seven, now there's nine, and now 11. They all the way up to 23. 
That number is finally settled at 22 sexual assault allegations. So you're asking for – and, look, I, I like Deshaun Watson as a player. Uh, if, if these allegations are true and we find out them to be proven as fact, then he's human trash and doesn't deserve to be playing in the NFL. But his game, I love his game. He's, a, he's, a, he's an excellent player. I love watching him play football. But even then, even without, even if there were no sexual assault allegations, three first-rounders and two starters, or, or like thereof, two first-rounders and three starters? Holy crap. It's Deshaun Watson that you have. Not Patrick Mahomes, not Aaron Rodgers, not Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, whatever. You know, it, you know. Sean Watson's a good player. That's an awfully high asking price for uh, for any team to fulfill. So I, I, I look. I don't think the, the Texans are going to get any nibbles on that. There may be a lot of counter offers, but according to uh, sources in Houston, that there haven't been any serious offers for Deshaun Watson. If you think that the only serious offer is five high draft picks and starting caliber players, then you're you're sadly mistaken. Teams are going to laugh you out of the league. Now to a player who has requested a trade right here in our own backyard. Arizona Cardinals defensive end Chandler Jones has requested a trade from the team, sources are reporting, during this offseason. Um, he did not report to the minicamp that was in June. The Cardinals, uh, now you ask the Cardinals, they'll expect him to show up tomorrow, otherwise they will find him. They can't say, well, we don't expect him to show up. I don't expect Chandler Jones to show up tomorrow for training camp. I think – that uh, that things have gotten so bad there between Chandler Jones and the front office that he just wants out. Now, he is set to make $15.5 million this year in the final year of his contract, but he is not satisfied with his contract status because a lot of other players were given extensions. DeAndre Hopkins was given an extension even though he had three years left on his deal. They just paid a bunch of money to bring in J.J. Watt, who's going to be playing in limited Limited snaps um, this season. He's also coming off an injury. Don't forget, Chandler Jones is coming off surgery on his biceps. So, uh, you know, he's he's not completely healthy either. This comes at a time when, also remember, Jordan Hicks, linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals, also requested a trade in this offseason because the Cardinals drafted uh, uh, Zavin, the kid, the, you know, the, the the star out of Tulsa, and basically, before he even put on a Cardinals jersey, was given LB one status, and just you know, you're, you're you got the job even though he didn't earn it on the field. So Jordan Hicks is like, all right, I'm out, trade me. I'll go somewhere where they appreciate competition. Now Steve Kime general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, has had plenty of pitfalls through his career. He continues to have them. Two DUIs. He continues to go out and party. I see, I trust me, I see Steve Kime all the time. All the time, out in bars. All the time. Drunk as hell. <laughs> okay? See him all the time. Uh, granted, I don't think he's out there drinking and driving any longer, but the guy obviously has some kind of a problem. I don't know if that's the kind of person you want running your billion-dollar corporation. And, look, the draft was not very good for the Cardinals. Their drafts under Steve Kime have not been good 
they you know they they move up to draft Josh Rosen, who at the time uh, I basically had labeled as an undraftable player because of something that I was told by his collegiate coach. One of his collegiate coaches told me that mm, I wouldn't waste a draft pick on him. He doesn't want to. He doesn't love the game of football enough. He doesn't want to play. He doesn't need to play. Doesn't have that fire, that drive, the desire. Sure, he's talented, but I wouldn't give that kid 50, you know, $50 million. He doesn't want it. He doesn't need it. And lo and behold, what has happened? They trade him okay, for, for a, a, a bag of balls and then go and draft Kyler Murray number one overall and are now rebuilding around a completely different type of quarterback. Steve Keim has not done a very good job at running this football team. They have put together some talent. They have been able to woo some free agents in, and they've done a good job in free agency. Steve Keim is, in fact, able to recognize NFL, established NFL talent and paid them enough to come and join his team. Congratulations. But as far as developing talent from the draft, the drafts have been bad. A lot of the the – the players drafted in second and third rounds have ended up becoming cut from the team either in their first season or within the first three years of the of the of being in the NFL, and that just doesn't happen too often. Okay, those are those are situations that get laughed at. So, this is not surprising to me that two of the players won out, and this is all starting to look like a situation where Steve Kime is on his. He is he. Let's like make no mistake about it. Steve Keim is tied to the success of Cliff Kingsbury. He decided to make the ultimate change, you know, after two years. The two-year experiment previously was over. They said they're going to go with Cliff Kingsbury, a guy who has a below 500 record as a collegiate coach, playing in a, in a, in a, you know, essentially a circus league like the Big 12, Texas Tech, right? So he and, he and Cliff Kingsbury are tied at the hip. And if you believe a lot of the – so unquote, you know, quote unquote experts out there that believe that Cliff Kingsbury is one of the NFL coaches that's on the hot seat this year, then you would have to assume that Steve Kime is also on the hot seat. And now he has two starters from his defense that w- that don't want to play for the team anymore. They want to be traded. Jordan Hicks wants out. Now Chandler Jones wants out, who was is the, the was the leading sack artist in the NFL for the previous three seasons before he got injured. So this is all bad news for an Arizona Cardinal team who is trying to get over the hump in the most difficult division in football, the NFC West. So things not looking good for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll continue to keep an eye on that. Of course, training camp opens tomorrow. Um, if anybody's awake in this town early enough to get on my radio show, we'll, we'll try and we'll try and get them on to talk some Cardinal football sometime this week and, and get some insight from Cardinal camp. Uh, as that opens up tomorrow all across the NFL. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Of course, we'll be, uh, we'll be discussing Pac-12 Media Day, which is tomorrow as well, because, uh, well, gosh, that's, you know, <laughs> um, that's the, the news of the, of the week here locally. Jed Fish, the only new head coach in the Pac-12, going to be representing tomorrow at media day and of course that's not even going to be anywhere close to the stories that are going to be asked during the uh, during the festivities tomorrow with school just around the corner we want to help you and the student in your life get the supplies that they need to succeed 
at ESPN Tucson, we're giving you the chance to win $1,500 to back the school shopping spree. You can register once per day through August 9th, and you can register online at ESPNTucson.com. We'll return after this. You're listening to The Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. More of The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment today's edition of The Jeff Dean Show. Don't forget to tune in today, 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. for Spears and Ali in the afternoons every weekday here on ESPN Tucson. They've got a great show planned for you today, I'm sure. Be sure to look at them on the uh, on the Twitters, on the Twitter accounts. Of course, they'll uh, update you on their guests and such that they have coming up today. But uh, be sure to tune in 3 to 6 every weekday here to Spears and Ali. Now, Pac-12 Media Day tomorrow, new commissioner George Klyavkov takes the reins over from Larry Scott, thank God, took over the reins on July 1st. Now, the I'm sure, I am sure, the media here in all of, all of our inventiveness will most likely ask George Klyovkov no fewer than 11 times, will the Pac-12 be looking to expand and add leftover teams from the Big 12? <laughs> I'm sure he's going to be asked that question a hundred times by the media in all kinds of different ways. Now, Klyavkov has already addressed this in certain ways. He was quoted as saying recently, the Pac-12 is an exclusive club with a high barrier for entry. And that the Pac-12 is always listening to ways that they can improve their conference. Okay, Every, look, every, every person, every boss, every general manager in sports says that. Uh, whenever you talk to a GM, let's say at the NFL level, you say, hey, if, uh, uh, you know, would you be willing to trade for Deshaun Watson? And that GM will tell you, we here at the X and X uh, team club here, franchise, are always looking for ways to improve our football team. And we will take any and all suggestions and calls regarding the improvement of our football team. That's That's how you answer those types of questions. Because the fact of the matter is, and we've discussed it here, the eight remaining member schools of what is going to be left over of the Big 12 after Texas Snow U leave do not meet the standards of the Pac-12. George Klyavkov knows that. Eventually the media will get that through their thick skull and stop asking these questions because Pac-12 is not going to be taking on any of those schools. Now, the Pac-12 may uh, enter into some kind of a partnership with possibly the Big 10, you know, use the – the, the Rose Bowl is kind of a, a a uniting factor to do something with those conferences. There may be something creative done there. George Klyavkov, of course, coming from media in Las Vegas, may have some ideas about how they can make a big splash. That's what Vegas is all about, right? Um, I, I'm sure one of the questions that will be asked tomorrow of Klyavkov will be what they intend to do with the Pac-12 headquarters. They can no longer afford to stay in San Francisco. They cannot continue to bleed money in the building that they're in, paying the unbelievable amount of rent that they're paying in that building. Move it to Vegas, okay? It's fine. We don't have to, we don't have to play this dog and pony show where they parade out, we're right in the heart of Pac-12. Move it to Vegas, okay? It's the smart thing to do. Save you some money. Put it over there in Vegas and... Everybody, will, look, the, 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 the basketball tournament is already there, okay? Men's, 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 men's women's basketball already tournament already there. There's plenty of, of things to be done in Vegas with the Pac-12. 
just move the offices to Vegas? And I'm sure that'll be one of the questions as well. And some of the other big questions I'm sure that will be asked, I'm sure the ASU table is going to be just alive and on fire with media questions for Herm uh, and his players that he's bringing along with him, Jaden Daniels, I believe, being one of them, that they're going to be wanting to ask about the NCAA investigation because that's, that's, that's what gets asked. Anytime Sean Miller was in a press conference, most of the time something was asked about the upcoming NCAA investigation. Is there any word? Well, you know, they just constant questions about that. And, of course, they're going to get the same Heisman stiff arm that they get that whenever they ask questions like this. I, I've never understood. As, as a member of the media, I, look, I've, I've been doing this for, for a long time. I've been covering sports for the better part of 22 years in my professional career. Okay, been to a lot of press conferences, a lot of one-on-ones with athletes, coaches, general managers, who, whatever have you. Okay, there are questions that you ask when you're trying to get an answer, a specific answer out of somebody, and there are questions that you ask when you're trying to get a reaction out of somebody. And this day and age of media trying to ask questions only to get a reaction out of people is absurd. I ask questions to get answers. Many times I already know the answer to the question. I just want to hear somebody confirm it. Sometimes that's the best question to ask. So we'll see. I'm sure there will be a million questions asked yesterday or tomorrow at the Pac-12 Media Day regarding those topics and some others. Hopefully, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good day and that the, the Wildcats show up well. Which Ted Fish and company, they just tweeted out that they're on their way to Vegas on the PJ, flying out to Vegas. Have a good, or I'm sorry, to take it's Los Angeles uh, for, for Pac-12. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Sam Yanez and the winner of our Sugar Skulls tickets. And, of course, thanks to Mary behind the glass for all the hard work that she does to keep us on the air here every single weekday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning right here on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.